This is GWC Podcast number 344, recorded October 7th, 2012. In this episode, we discuss friendly robots, robots that want to be your friend, and robots that you would like to be friends with. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Heston. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart confusion. Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you can introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. What is up? Hello. From the future. You know, the past in this case. You know what I love about this room in the winter? It's hot as hell with all the gear. It's perfect. It's like a built-in heater. In the winter, it's like it's a tolerable temperature. It's you nice. know, It's comfortable. It's nice. All the rest of the year, it's sweltering. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's the... Pit of Mount Doom in uh, <laughs> summer. I don't. No one's gonna feel sorry for us because uh, for the first time we dipped down to like fifty degrees, and you know, I know most people have been much much colder than I think that. It for a while, snowed but. in Kansas this week. I what? mean, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think we can really say much, but it, it's very nice in Texas right now. We I get was about like, uh, two weeks of seventy, and then down to winter. I was yeah. such like a, I was a big wuss yesterday, and I didn't go run because it was cold. I was like, yeah, cold. <laughs> and then I decided I didn't want to be a wuss. So this morning I got up and I'm like, I don't have all this expensive <laughs> running gear <laughs> and blah blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I'm skiing. <laughs> I mean, so I put on a like like this old ancient, way too big for me hoodie and like some sweatpants. And I played Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> And it was fine. Do, do, do. Did you run to the top of the hill over do, here at the, do, do. the, the, should, the oh, Duck Casino and be I like, yeah, <laughs> Done the jump, and, you know, that'd be awesome. Have you, Have you ever noticed that hoodies are divided into different categories? Like some hoodies, the, the hood is way too shallow. Have you ever noticed that? Like it just barely comes up over the front half of your face. You're like, why? It's like three inches deep. And then you get the M&M yeah. hoodie that's like a cloak. Yeah, the one that looks you like know. the Grim Reaper, you know? The cloak of obscurity. <laughs> like Kenny. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, I. Uh, that was the other thing. Like how is, hard is it to make a normal hood? I was wearing a hoodie and a sweatshirt with a hood, and I I was running along. I'm like, man, my ears are cold. I wish I bought a. Wait a minute. You know this isn't just for appearance, you know. <laughs> Put the hood on. It's, uh, I'm in yeah, a suburb, though. You never know. I got to watch out. People start calling the cops because there's a guy in a hoodie running around. Mm. So, oh well. What but, do you look like? I don't know. Well, you He's were, in disguise. <laughs> you, you didn't have iced tea with you, so you're all right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do live in that kind of neighborhood, though. Sadly, um, so we got a bunch to talk about today. We got a bunch of oh news. my goodness, we yeah. have so much news. So yeah, we should just probably just like get on news. that, huh? And now, news, updates, upcoming stuff in general, and anything else we care to talk about during this segment. So who's first? I think Audra should go first. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. The guys who made the TV series Chuck, the creators uh, Chris Fedak and Josh Schwartz, nice. are getting together and making another TV series upcoming, which I think it sounds pretty cool. Um, it's called Midnighters, and it's based on a uh, sci-fi fantasy book trilogy by an author, uh, Scott Westerfeld. And... The basic premise, I guess, is like a, a bunch of people who or a group of people who are all born exactly at the stroke of midnight and therefore they have access to the 25th hour of the day, which apparently exists. Okay, so, I, that's not fair. <laughs> Wait, some poor bastards have access to an extra hour? Apparently so, yeah. Well, You'd use fair. it to sleep. I would. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. That's a good use. Or something. <laughs> They're all ninjas. January, it's the most hidden month, you know? <laughs> Uh yeah, they, that's actually kind of cool. You know, it's what you, what could you do with an extra hour, and what you know, what is this the interaction of these these people like? You know, it's kind of cool. Like yeah, that. and and I wonder what is it like during that hour? Like, does the rest of the world just seem to stop, or or what? You know, normally in my luck, I'd get access to that twenty fifth hour, and it would be like when you finally got to stay up past your bedtime, and like <laughs> you realize nothing happened. You just get more tired. Yeah, and people, you just look around, and everybody's just like reading a book or whatever, and be like. And? I thought there was going to be a party, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, you figure... You, it's the after well. go to bed party. <laughs> yeah, you know, you figure you're going to get access to the secret lives of, of the universe and everything, and suddenly it's just, you know, you're hanging around the house with your parents, the dogs are asleep, and everybody's like, well, you expected what, you know? Well, uh, so, so it's interesting more, because, it. you know, it's the guys who created Chuck... So it'll probably have, you know, similar kinds of uh, like a, a feel to the show. But since it's based on uh, this other series, there's going to be a different influence, you know. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think it sounds pretty awesome. Uh, there's another new TV series, which some of you may not be excited about. Um, I know that people are pretty divided up about X-Files. But you're, if I remember, Sean, you thought X-Files were okay, right? No, the very opposite of that. Oh, you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm dumb. <laughs> Shannon loved the X Files. That's what it was. She like. See, I like X Files. You hate X Files. Shannon liked X Files. But Chris Carter, the uh, guy who brought X Files to TV, is, Chris Carter is a very talented guy. Yeah, I just didn't happen to like X Files. Well, he's got a, a new show that he's pitching called The After, and they're not really saying what it's about, but it's a general, like, similar kind of premise where. It's 
sci-fi paranormal kind of thing thriller Which is you know big right now to yeah. be honest I mean there's yeah. a lot true. of shows there's a big market for that I mean you got uh, what is it um, Supernatural you've got Hex you've got I mean there's just a ton of anything them anything with fairy tales or vampires yeah I mean it's it's a big market segment right now yeah so I can see that yeah, yeah. So um, I'm less excited about this one just because I don't know as much about it. But um, still, it, it might be kind of cool. You know, maybe a, an X-Files for the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Trying to think what that would be like, an X-Files for the 2000s. I don't know, because X-Files would not work now. Uh, I think with all the... the lo- it's They come with a pretty big game right now. I mean, you look at some of this, like Bedlam and uh, any of the the... You know the the big shows on right now, which the names are escaping me. Operator's going to kill me when he hears <laughs> this because he's a, he's a big fan of most of them. You know, Fringe and and all the rest of them. I mean, there's there's this big huge thing that uh, that can be available now, and there is room for another one. I think uh, another good one. You know, speaking of Fringe, um, I can't really talk in detail about the fr- about Fringe because I haven't seen the show. Um, and I, okay, everyone's like, <clears throat> you know, but, um, and I know I hear it's awesome. So, you know, I'm interested, but what caught my eye was a news piece. Um, do you guys remember like, you know, many a moon ago, we did, uh, an episode of GWC about Galactica where we talked about the figure of, I guess, well, we were talking about Elosha, the priest, and we were talking about uh, <laughs> the Oracle and the Matrix. And and I, I kind of talked a little bit about um, race theory and how African-American women or, you know, black women, I guess some of them are Canadian, right? How black female actors are put in these roles where they tend to be these kind of mystics. And uh, you know what I'm, you remember that? I remember it. Zoe kind of disproves that, that a little bit. But yeah, I, I know what you're. Yeah, I have from, no idea what from, show that could be. Anything? There's so many Zoe's. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> just named sixty percent of all uh, sci-fi female characters. Yeah. It's true. In the recent, yeah. <laughs> no, he's talking about Firefly. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know that. Oh well. Yes and no. I could disagree with that. I but, think. But, but my argument is not that all black women are portrayed this way. My argument is that it's a very common sort of trope that we see over and over and over is the spiritual black woman. It doesn't mean that they're all that way, but it's significant. I think warehouse 13's got uh well up until this last week or week or two ago when they shot her, but uh, they had, thanks. Uh, I hadn't seen that. It's out <laughs> too bad. It's in the spoiler. Fine, it's fine. The intro thing. It's intro like to it. the show. Yeah, no, I could see it was really important to make that point. <laughs> <laughs> He couldn't have just said up until recently. Try this on, though. <laughs> it's Warehouse 13. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, right. Okay, there you go. She could be back. Now. It's like comics. Yeah, that's she true. She could be back. She well, could she not. was actually back in the same episode. I mean, <laughs> not in the same way, but Thanks, she was I back. I have seen yeah. that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> out. Out and published. It's a week and I'm a half old. I'm just kidding. I must mess well, but, but speaking of Fringe, I, I heard that um, at the, the final, I guess the season finale episodes that they're working on right now for the, the current season, they're bringing in a, a figure who's going to be like a mystical oracle like person. And it's going to be played by Jill Scott, who's awesome, by the way, the, the rapper. But there's this picture of this giant, like glittery, glittery eyelashed Afro wearing Jill Scott as the oracle. And I was like, what a surprise. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I want to see? I want to see, do you remember in, um, in war games when they go to first start investigating toward the beginning of the movie and they go and they talk to those two uh, computer tech guys and one's real skinny with the glasses and the other one's kind of a big guy with a beard. You mm-hmm. remember? Melvin. Melvin. I want to see a guy who looks and sounds like Melvin be like a religious oracle in a TV show. Hmm. Okay. All right. Seriously. Like it just, it almost can't happen. Well, probably true. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you have the, if you have the touch, if you're a seer, you know, you have to, you have to fit the, the model. You know, there's a certain kind of person who's a, a seer. Look, seer, do you remember when you asked me to tell you when you were acting rudely and insensitively? You're doing, you're doing that right now. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it could be like Dogma. You get Kevin Smith and Jay, you know, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, smoochy booches and some stuff is going to happen. I mean, you could have seers like them. Yeah. They've well, Dogma that. is sure. all about. Only in a Kevin Smith movie, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Dogma is entirely a subversion of all the standard things. You That's know, true. this is just another example of. No, in our luck, it'll be Kesha is the Oracle, you know. It'll be something like that where it's just like a ridiculous blonde. Hi, Paris Hilton. Uh, there you no. go. Yeah, you do. You could do that. That that Hollywood would accept. But I don't know. I think the closest you've had recently is Melvin the Oracle. <laughs> it's true. So I'm not saying I have a problem with Jill Scott playing the Oracle. The I think, Oracle, you know, I maybe. can't. I can't comment on the show because it's probably cool. It's probably going to be awesome. And Jill Scott is, you know, I like her, but. Who was the doctor? I couldn't in help Scrubs? but see it. I was like, really? Which one? The, they the, were all doctors. No, no. I didn't finish <laughs> Zoe. I, I didn't finish my sentence. Who's the doctor in Scrubs who was just the the complete and total dick to everyone? Doctor Cox. Yes, Doctor Cox Dr. could Kelso play the. Was kind of Doctor Cox could play the Oracle. That would work. Yeah. See, that's you the thing. You are not going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell you what, why don't you go think about it and then go think about it again and then don't ask me again about that. <laughs> he dies in 20 minutes after <laughs> of a heart attack brought on by hearing the news that he will die of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Tonk say you're going to be fine. You know, you could do one of those. Oh, hey, I have a piece of news. I'm sorry. I, I didn't put this on the list. It's on the list. Red Dwarf 10 premiered. Yeah. It was, and it's like it was awesome. It is like old Red Dwarf. It's it great. It was awesome. Yeah, they, you know, I I went back and I rewatched uh, Nine slash Back to Earth, and you know they had that whole Blade Runner thing going on, and it was rough. And you know, I I got to tell you, they they're back to exactly what made it great. It's not too serious. It's fun. Uh, they do it's irreverent. It is. They yeah. do address kind of serious things, but through humor. You know the way they always have. Uh, the first episode was, I, I really enjoyed it. I got a big kick out of it. It was, everybody was firing like on, on all cylinders. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny cause you know, seeing everyone older, I mean, it's been, oh my God, you know, like 15 years since they really quit making the almost 15 mm-hmm. years since they quit making the original series. So to see everybody, you know, aged, I, I thought the makeup was kind of odd. Like, that's because the show is in HD. Honestly, oh, I really think it that is. Be, is that yeah. They probably always look like that. It's just you're used to seeing them through the eyes of, you know. It's like the next gen episode. Like look at a wharf. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Wow, you really could I can see. see the spirit gum right there. That's, 
It's not cool, <laughs> man. Bridges, Kuchimoya, <laughs> bring me the gum of my father's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, DVD might be better. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It but was in this odd. Case, the sets also too were kind of. At first, I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, these sets don't look bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like, and, and Crichton. That? I couldn't help but think Crichton reminded me of uh, in Gross Point Blank. Just looked like everyone had just swelled <laughs> it was as if everyone had swelled you know what's great though <laughs> honestly if you think about it like it works because these guys are stuck essentially on this ship after all humanity has come and gone forever they're going to get old on it and they're going to do the same old crap when they're yeah. 15 years older and and it just yeah. makes sense like yeah. when i saw them and they were older i'm like oh yeah that's what would have <laughs> i'm trying to figure happened. out rimmer's haircut it, it looks like those uh those women from like the 1940s soft focus <laughs> films with like the the like double shine ripple in their hair you know what oh, i'm talking wow. about you know yeah, what's great, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, I can't like, picture that on Rimmer. But Here's yeah. the thing, though. He, he, it's what he has. I got hair like that, just not on my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, I, I love that Rimmer always has this haircut and this style that is like he's very concerned with it, and you could tell, and it's just not quite right, always. It's always a little messed up. And it's funny because the cat has a hair that looks like, you know, little Richard dressed as Queen Victoria, but yeah, it works. Because he's the cat. It's like Travolta yeah. from Saturday Night. <laughs> it is. It is. I spent yeah. a lot of time on my hair, okay? I just... <laughs> it is. It always looks ridiculous. You're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. I mean, it's even funnier when you realize that, remember, that Rimmer is a hologram. I mean, he can look like pretty much whatever he wants to look, look like. look like Brad Pitt if he wanted to. You know? So, yeah, if he if he looks like that, you know, well, there you go. They've released... If you're... If you're uh, if you don't, if you're worried about spoilers, you can avoid these because it's Red Dwarf. Come oh, on. Oh, yeah. They released episode descriptions for the for entire series yeah. that, that hasn't aired. You're and, like, that's awesome. Oh it's so God, Red they Dwarf. They look awesome. I mean, the next one is called, uh, and this is not a spoiler, it's all available. Fathers and Fathers and Son, Father and Sons, S U N S. And it, uh, it has to do with Lister. Uh, being his own father and dealing with being a bad father to himself. We already knew he was his own father. Yeah, though. I mean, this is all given. Mr. I'm my own grandfather. <laughs> He's his own Ooh, father, uh, actually. Yeah. And yeah, so I don't know. It's good stuff. I'm excited. Every Thursday uh, on Dave, for those who uh, are able to watch that. Now we switch from very good stuff <laughs> to something that is... Well, it has the potential to end life as we know it, and that is the Monopoly movie and the Hungry, Hungry Hippo movies. Yeah, and there's there's actually one more. <laughs> Just they're like, gonna oh, make no, an, it's worse. They're going to make an Action Man movie, too, although it's we need same that. people. I don't know what Action Man is, unless it's... <laughs> well, I can tell you it's probably not the guy from Venture Brothers. I was thinking, yeah, no. and it's not the guy from the David Bowie song, either, but... Yeah, Hungry Hungry Hippos, Monopoly, and Action Man. They're, they actually made an independent production company to do these three. Okay. Hasbro so did. If you guys were going to make any- Have you seen the movie poster for Hungry Hungry Hippo? No, what is it? <laughs> it is a battleship on the water with a giant hippo coming out to eat it. <laughs> My hand to crumb. This woman, Jen Cheney from the Washington Post, she's like, Hungry Hungry Hippos is becoming a movie. Seriously. The game with the plastic hippos that try to scarf up marbles, at least until the hippos invariably, invariably dislodge themselves from their plastic levers because they are cheaply made pieces of junk. <laughs> so and now they're plastic marbles. They're not even glass marbles anymore. So what? You can't, like, they oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, they're gl- they're plastic marbles. Oh, now. like little plastic. That's stupid. Sucks balls. Okay, literally. But that game always did. The marbles were cool, but so so guys, you just go bang a bang a bang a bang a bang a bang. I have not had a game of Hungry Hunger Hippos that did not end in fisticuffs and fisticuffs and throwing marbles at at my brother. I mean, I've never had one. Yeah, but come on, has any game not really ended up in fisticuffs or throwing something at your brother? Exactly. No. That's no. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, so, so difference there. <laughs> no. <laughs> nevertheless, Hungry Hungry Hippos was one of the most craptacular games yeah. of the 80s. Okay, okay. So I'm going to ask you guys, of all the games out there that you have played, which one should be made into a movie that has not already? Oh, I was going to say, because Rocket Sock and Robots a- did, did great. I loved the Clue movie with, with Tim Curry and, and Leslie Ann Warren and all that stuff. Right, back right, right. Love that. It's still one of my favorite movies. So there's there's still fertile ground here. I, st- so I think there is. And they did the Real Steel did great as Rock and Sock and, Rock and, Sock and Robots. I mean, that's what that was, sure. essentially. Oh, and yeah. it worked out great, I thought. Um, the the movie that least deserves it? <laughs> Connect Four. <laughs> Caracasone. Oh, um, wow. If I had to pick. Ooh, Settlers of Catan would make a cool Only movie. Only if somebody makes the wood for sheep line. Yeah, totally. Somebody, yeah, no, I could no, totally see that, though. Make like a that, campy, you could... like, like Robin Hood Men in Tights style. Oh, there's got to be a better, Settlers though. of Catan. There's got to be a better... Yes, I can think of several land. now. No, I mean werewolves of Miller's Hollow, the card game. No, if you're going to go card game, that oh, it's just Uno. Oh, really? How? Uh, I said least. You said least. Slap, no, I said most. Oh, which one would you? Which one would you? Slapjack. <laughs> slapjack. Go fish in a world. Yeah. <laughs> in a world where there is only one fish. You know for what? One man. I think you could make a. I think you could make a good run of risk. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you could do that. Settlers yeah. of Catan. I think that could actually Stratego, do. maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Which one is that? Uh, it's the military one. It's like it's like all the the square pieces all set up, kind of like uh, like chess, chess. checkers, oh, sort of red different. and blue. Oh, okay, and the stickers are all facing you, and there's a bomb, or there are bombs guarding your flag. Hmm. So yeah. Team Fortress. Hmm. Um, man, I'm trying to think of of one that's that's like a standard board game, and see, all mine were specialty ones that I'm thinking of. You know, that's okay. Um. Because I used to play a game when I was a kid called Battle Masters, and it was an eight-foot mat uh, with, like, hexagon things. You and just you put had... the mat out and beat the crap out of each other on No, it? no, no, no. It, it was sort of, um, it was it had a dice-type aspect, and it had, like, on one side was the Imperial side, and it had cannons and foot soldiers and everything, and on the other side it had trolls and wolf riders, and, and the you know, and, uh, they combine into the center, and there's normally a tower and all that stuff. It was really cool. That you can make into a cool thing. Um, but I'd say I'd say one with the most success. I'd say you could do a really cool thing, either like um, Darkness Rising on one side, which is real fun and campy and kind of a make fun of it, or a Game of Thrones thing. I think you could make a fair bet of of Settlers of Catan and make a go of that. Honestly, I think interesting. You could, I yeah. think you could do that. Well, I mean, one of the coolest sci fi series movies of all time was made out of the Snake Game, right? Tron. <laughs> <laughs> You know the snake game where you have to move it around and Dude, not, that came after. not bump its tail? After Tron. Honestly, I think it did come after Tron, didn't it? it? Did, of course. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm trying to think. and I, I, My memory is not what it used to be, but I do think that came after Tron. Um, Though, debatably, Kicks came before. 
or quicks might be the way to say it, right? Yeah. You know the game. Yeah. That I was a know. good game. I like yeah. that game. Dig Dug. There's another one. Mm. In that Dig area. Dug. They've kicked that around though. That yeah. that was people have been joking about that for some time. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I'm talking about I'm talking about like board games because mm. like video games. I think that's like trouble. <laughs> we should make a boggle game or, or a boggle movie, except it'll be like one of those existential films, like Cube or whatever. <laughs> that's awesome. Where actually. like there there are giant letters. That What's your boggle? <laughs> people are stuck inside the boggle game. Second shop. <laughs> okay. Well, I had to ask because I'm yeah, like, I don't know. We I'd make fun, but good. I'm like, okay. So now, which which one is the real property that could totally kick ass? And yeah, I don't know. Honestly, Jenga, I you think- could you could apply modern Sherlock Holmes to Clue and make that go. But I have such a love for the old Clue movie that I I'm just I'm yeah. not there. I just I honestly think that making movies from board games is a stupid idea. But I don't know. I've seen a lot of them that are. There are Kinda there are cool. some that could work, but I think generally yeah. the the one that Hasbro's are doing, I mean, actually the Monopoly game of all things is going to be directed by Ridley Scott, and apparently it's going to be kind of morbidly funny. Sorry, that's what they're saying. I don't know. <laughs> Starring Kelsey Grammer and Sam Worthington because they're in everything else. <laughs> That'd yeah. be an odd pairing. Otherwise known as Wall Street Three. Yeah. Well, they're saying that it's going to talk like tap into the modern kind of economic system like the Michael Douglas is yeah yeah so I don't know I think it'd be Michael Douglas and Eddie Murphy (laughs) we're back you know (laughs) Uh, so Mortimer Mortimer it's our time our time has come (laughs) trading Wall Street yeah (laughs) but uh, on the other end of that on the electronic end of things there is something I'm very excited about and that is Forza, the new Forza, and I know it's it's pronounced differently, but Forza has come out with Forza Horizon. It's pronounced differently? I don't know. It, I've had some people tell me it's pronounced differently. I've always well, pronounced like Forza, it. Well, like Forza? Yeah, that? I guess so. Well, if you were in Italy, it would be pronounced Forza. Yeah, that's... I, I'm American. I see an R, I pronounce it. But uh, it's, it's Forza. 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 You know, any, I don't care. But uh, Forza. Forza. <laughs> Just say it that way from nice. now on. Forza. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, Forza Horizon is coming out and this looks to be, there are two accepted general, uh, simulation and and street racing games out there that are, and then a a third honorable mention, which is, uh, Gran Turismo, which is the simulation side need for speed is the kind of arcade side. And then you get midnight club underneath that, right? Horizon looks to be, they are aimed directly at Need for Speed. It looks to be a Need for Speed killer. It's got all the same stuff that Need for Speed has, plus the Forza engine behind it. It looks amazing. Forza doesn't, for those who who haven't played it, Forza doesn't make bad games. Um, Even when they came out and Porsche decided that they didn't want to release any of the the Porsche content out, um, Forza released it. What did they just call it? Like the, I don't know, the... uh, um what, did they just rename the car but keep the car in? No, they just removed they all the Porsches. They released this last Forza with no Porsche. Yeah, that's not like the same in the world. There are a lot of other cars. There are tons of other cars, and they released it all out there and everything and did everything, and then they did the car packs and everything, and it made so much money that afterwards, about uh, four or five months into it, Porsche just decided, holy crap, we need it on this, and they released the entire Porsche line 
and downloadable they call content. Up and they're like, we're really sorry. And they're like, yeah, that's it. They're like, we want to participate now. And they're like, that's cool. Here's the check you need to send. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a release. We'll do a DLC pack with all the Forza cars or with all the Porsche cars in it and it'll be fine. And I did. I spent the extra $4 to go get all the Porsche cars. And loaded them Speaking in. of, I, I was running the other day, and I, I, there's a guy like four streets over that has a 944 in front of the house with a for sale sign. I almost t- tweeted a picture of it to you. <laughs> Just wrote poor bastard in the picture. <laughs> We're sorry, man. <laughs> I bet you want to sell that thing. Yeah. Uh, Smart man, but a little late. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, it's coming out. I think it's coming out at the end of October or early November for Christmas. Incidentally, Forza, best way to own a Porsche. You betcha. <laughs> Customize anything you want. Drive it however hard you want. You don't have to worry about Get anything. Delete and it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> you can actually sell it in the game. You know, Get top dollar for it. It's great. Uh, but, hey, I, uh, I, I did a little cool. research for you real quick. Uh, on the pronunciation of it, and it's it's like I, w- I thought, you know, it's not as uh, it's not as hard as saying. It. A lot of people are saying, well, it's like F O R T Z A. That's too hard. It's not like Forza like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one woman who is uh, Italian and speaks like several languages was saying, you know, it's sort of in between. Like the the Italians when they pronounce a, even a single Z, it's a little bit harder than R Z, mm-hmm. but. They roll the R, so the the rolling the R causes this kind of stopping sound. So it's like forza, you know. Uh, like they do forza. everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All so right, well, I'm never say, that talented. <laughs> but you know, there are a lot of different ways to pronounce it dialect. So saying forza is not that bad. It's not that different. Well, it means it means pumped up or power or force. Yeah. Right. Just like forza in Spanish is strength. Yeah, well, I'm figuring I'm probably the American version of saying par fiver, you know, in, in Spanish or something when I say Forza. So, I mean, I, but that's the way I pronounce Poor it. Par favor. Yeah. Like that Reno 911. Oh, <laughs> you know, oh my God. Janet does not find that show funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love it. Italian but. Zs are like RZs, but they listen to like metal and like. They're just called Italians, darkly. Chuck, not Italian Zs. Eleven <laughs> Zs. Indeed. But I am very excited about it. But I thought it, uh, I have to mention, and I don't know if you guys have seen or heard anything about it, but the Lone Ranger movie is coming out relatively soon. Well, I, I shouldn't say relatively soon. It's coming out. And you're starting to see the trailers for it, right? I think it's actually coming out. I have year. not seen any tra- I didn't even know awesome. until you mentioned it that they were making one. Two, one of two things. Uh, either one would be is if they managed to somehow just ditch all of the crazy crap that made up the original like, you know, either that or if they just completely, like, went over the top. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to have some guy in red face, you know? That's what they like did before. The, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Okay, here's the deal. Uh-oh. Uh, Lone Ranger coming Jackie out. Jackie Chan a, as a, Tonto. <laughs> to Disney Pro- Be careful. No, just wait. No, no, don't no, t- no, 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 no. It's actually kind of cool. Oh, yeah? Um, Lone Ranger, done by Disney, right? As I think it was connected with or whatever, but anyway, um, I think it was like AT and T. It, it came was, together. It's yeah, somebody, it, was it was somebody, them, it was somebody else, but it's probably them now. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple of things they wanted to do the the Lone Ranger series, so they they got this guy, and I think it's somebody Hammer or whatever. Anyway, so they went to do cast Tonto. Shoot this. Yeah, they went to do Tonto, and they got Johnny Depp, who is part Native American himself, and was recently made a part of the, I think it's Comanche tribe or something like that. So, I mean, he is part Native American. 
So they put him, and uh, Depp's thing was like, look, we are not going to do the Tonto go to town and get the crap kicked out of you. We are not doing that. Uh, so they rewrote the so part. Not of, accurate to the original. Yeah, uh, they rewrote the part of Tonto, and Andre's furiously looking up now. Um, they rewrote the part of Tonto to be Tonto was more of his advisor, not his bitch, and he's the one pushing the the Lone Ranger. It's like, look, you are going to have to, you're going to have to do this. Uh, you know what would be awesome is if he if he was sort of like if it was sort of like Green Hornet, you know. Yeah, well, he he's a lot like that. And, you more than me. <laughs> uh, and he wears a giant crow on his head, which a uh, stuffed crow, which is a little weird. He's got these crow wings on there and everything like that, which is different. But, but it's Johnny Depp. I mean, he'd look hot, you know, wearing hey, a, an actual dead plus, crow on his head. That does not surprise <laughs> yeah. me with Johnny Depp. I mean, if you saw Johnny Depp, he might as well have a crow on he his head. He might be wearing a, a dead crow on his Hell, head. Oh, yeah, I, I can see know, that. I mean, that would, I mean, it um, is Johnny Depp. The only thing, uh, the the Silver Heels, Silver Heels, and I think that's his last name, who originally played it, had a very deep voice and spoke sort of broken English because it wasn't his first language and he had just learned it recently. Oh, guess who's playing the Madam of Brothel? Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> wait, let me find. Let me find if they've got Tim Burton. I saw she was involved, but I know I. I was like, that's got to be who they she is. They must have Tim Burton on as yeah, I'm sure the they music. do. Um, Army. Yeah. The guy playing the Lone Ranger is called Army Hammer. A R M I E Hammer. Is that his real name? I don't know. Wow, Johnny Depp is getting first billing. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's cool. Like I said, I mean, they've changed it a lot. He's going to be the the. The serious, I mean, Tonto is not going to be the Tonto go to town, get the crap kicked out of you, and Lone Ranger comes and saves the day. He is he is an integral part of this process. I very hope it's it's Green Hornet-like. It should be like the Green Hornet where he comes in and he thinks he saves the day, but in reality, it's like Tonto had it all worked out. Yeah, good work, like Kato. Kato. Gadget. <laughs> exactly. Tonto yeah. should be the new Kato. Yeah, so... Um, Apparently, Tonto's the narrator of the story. And Native does, American spirit warrior Tonto recounts the untold tales that transformed John Reed, a man of the law, into a legend of justice. <laughs> and he does they they lowered his voice for the movie apparently it's to sound more like silver heroes and wow. uh and i hope that's his name but i can't remember who the original it is uh who played him i think it's it's silver something and uh and he's wearing the crow and he's he's but he does speak in the broken english type of thing so it wasn't his first language or anything like that so it isn't going to be depp playing jack sparrow or anything like that uh, but it looked Jack Sparrow speaks in broken English. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> broken in an entirely different an way. Entirely different. <laughs> um, but you have heard of him, but uh, <laughs> I, it, it looked really good. I thought the, the trailer looked good. It looked like they're doing it. And that's typical Disney thing where they're taking it and it's going to be different, but kind of cool. And I, I really liked the trailer. I thought it looked nice. Um, speaking of trailers, the uh, the new Bond movie Skyfall has a couple things coming out about it now. What? I'm sorry, it's not Tim Burton doing the music. <laughs> it's Jack White. I don't know who that is. <laughs> From Helena the Bonham White Stripes. <laughs> if you take but a guy, <laughs> if you take Helena Bonham Carter ah. and Johnny Depp and merge them into one That's what the androgynous joke was. person, it's actually it's Jack, Jack White. White. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you remember that he's from the white stripes really yeah yeah wow Alrighty. yeah remember so this they, guy holy crap <laughs> she just showed it <laughs> yep i remember him 
No, it just we saw Jack White performing on SNL, and I made a crack about how it looked like Helena Bonham Carter, Hela, Helena Bonham Carter, and Johnny Depp had merged into a single person. Yeah, yeah they're just like Luke, and it becomes. So to find out that he's the one doing the music for, I'm sorry, it's it just, is funny. It's just really funny. Well, it looks really I'm good. I'm interested in the new Bond movie too yeah. because uh, I, I mean, I heard about the song coming out this week. That's what kind of drew, drew my attention back. Yeah, Adele is uh, is doing doing the song for it, and Adele it's. We listened to a little sample of it. It sounds like classic. It sounds to me. It sounded more like Thunderball than anything else. Yeah, uh, Thunderballs. Yeah, well, it did, and and I mean, there's been a lot of stuff. I think my favorite Bond song is still Tina Turner and and uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, uh, it's still my favorite one. I I have I that is the last Bond experience i went and spent money on other than the movie i went and bought the soundtrack for it so i could have tina turner's well those those song. big like drawn out ballads i mean that's what they're supposed to well, be well and adele's got that kind of like that huskiness Old, and timey kind that of, soulfulness yeah. yeah uh she's it sounds she's like it too yeah yeah i mean it sounds like a bond movie I mean, it really does. The it's, more I hear about the plot, too, we were talking about this before the podcast, and we stop. We're like, we need to finish this conversation in the podcast because the more I hear about the plot, the more I like it. Well, uh, the operator, who is a giant Bond fan, uh, is is up on this kind of thing. There's and, a giant Bond? Yes, as well as a miniature Bond, a mini Bond. <laughs> is that like those uh, ones that Ed McMahon gives you? <laughs> and and the brand new Nano Bond. Yes. Uh, it's... it's just the Bond out. Mini, yeah, uh, <laughs> the Bond Nano. Yeah, it was, yeah it's, it's sort great. of like the older Bond Nano. Yeah, but now with liked more, more space uh, and a smaller screen. So what we have uh, is from from what I understand and glean from the insiders of uh, the the people who watch this stuff. This one is going to be a little bit more about the interaction between M and Bond, where M is in some some crap and bond and, is going to get her out of it now this is like a, he doesn't her. know if he can trust her right like there's some question about right w- like she did some this is sort of like do you help your friend bury the body yeah or or do you <laughs> disown your friend you know yeah and uh there's I some think he helps his friend bury the body because you know in one of the beautiful things about the the especially casino royale but even though even even quantum, quantum of solace i th- i think they've started to form this relationship between them. That's a lot more interesting than it's been in the past. Mm -hmm. In the past, it was kind of jokey and it was particularly uninteresting. And bond was like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, you know, starting in casino Royale, you really got the feeling that he shows up at her house. Oh my God. Don't ever do that again. I didn't know your real name was don't speak it or I'll have you killed. And and she was, (laughs) my real name is Dame. (laughs) (laughs) And she was not kidding. Like the fact that she didn't have him killed after that. I think after he showed up there, I think that means she likes him. She trusts him. She thinks a lot of him. And, uh, well, from what they glean, what you glean from the movie, she actually picked him. I mean, this was the first one. She wasn't, you know, this wasn't the legacy bond where she got with uh, uh, Pierce Bronson. Right. It's, she didn't really like him. She thought he was a dinosaur. She didn't like the way he did things. She didn't like any of that stuff. Didn't like his BMW. Yeah, she didn't like any. She didn't like him. This That's one, awesome. you know, that was good. <laughs> yeah, this one, she Get likes that him. bloody Remington man out of my sight. Yeah. 
Um, Sounded like Sharon Osbourne. <laughs> you did. Yeah. That was a good Sharon Osbourne. You know, she, this one, she he's rougher around the edges. She doesn't like some of the ways he does things and everything like that. She's he's rather raw, and but she trusts this one because this is the one she picked. And he may or may not do things the way she wants to, but he still works his things out, you know? Think about in, I know a lot of people love to write off Quantum of Solace, but think about in it how, you know, you can see them starting to form this bond, you know? <laughs> when when she, um, you know, when someone close to her tries to kill her and she's like, they're standing in the apartment, right? And, and she says... Uh, you know, she's upset. She's shaken by it because she's like, I, I knew this person. You know, I, she, she has this thing in her hand. She's like, this is the Christmas gift I gave him last year. You know, uh, I've met his family, you know, and, and she's really worried and she doesn't know who to trust. And she decides to trust Bond, you know, and you won't know who to trust. <laughs> And don't worry that they know where we are. <laughs> That's that came on the other day, the Garfield awesome. Halloween special. It's <laughs> awesome. I missed it. But yeah, I th- I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I love the idea of M being the one in trouble and and awesome. Bond like deciding to return her trust that way. I think that's awesome. That I I love maybe a subplot of the movie, but I, I know, know a lot of on. people uh, just want the old candy bond back. You know, they just want him to like crack jokes and hook up with chicks and do his well, thing. And-, and Casino Royale was such a departure, but not. And then you get quantum of solace, which to be honest, wasn't as good. No. Uh, but I think if they can kind of get back to that dynamic where you're, it's different, but good, different. I, I think that's that's a good way to go and a good way to march Bond through. I'm thinking they're headed that way because... Well, I think they know that Quantum of Solace didn't turn out like they thought it was going to be received. And, and you know, it wasn't the old Bond, which I, which is fine because I got to admit, what was the one I blocked it out of my mind right before? <laughs> Die Another Day? Must have been, yeah. Oh, I, the one with the Madonna song? and Yeah. I mean, I went to that and I was excited because it was a Bond movie and we hadn't had one in a while. Yeah, like, Aljun and I went so to that and we walked out and we were like, man, this 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 really sucked. You know, and I, I wasn't trying to be mean or anything because it, was, it wasn't it. It was me. You know, I had just, I'd grown out of it and I didn't enjoy the old Bond anymore. And when Quantum, when, when, well, I mean, when Casino Royale came out, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't even see it in the theater. I was like, you know. oh my God, Casino Royale is, is one of my favorite modern kind of action movies. Yeah. Really good. The characters have yeah. weight, you know, you yeah. care about them. You want to, you give a damn who they are. It's not just a joke. Yeah. I think I look at some of the old Bond now and it's, it sort of reminds me of, when people watch games because it's comforting, you know, like football, basketball, yeah. baseball, or something like that, because it's comforting, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. you know, what, how it goes is, is, you know, the hotly debated and everything, you know, oh, how's Bond going to solve this one? But you know, Bond's going to solve it. You know, that this is going to happen. You know, you're going to get this scene. You know, you're going to meet Q and he's going to be condescending and you're going to see some cool gadgets. You know, all that stuff. And you know you're going to meet Vaj. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> Q. Yeah, got it. Yeah, we, we got it. It's, <laughs> uh, you, remember the, you remember, though, I, I think it's one of those classic things where where arriving is much more fun when it costs something to get there. And and that's what happens in, in Casino Royale. You remember the end? 
of Casino Royale, you know, when he just... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when he's recovering and then... He goes and finds that guy at the very end. And you see him, and it's funny because that's the shot they use so often for him before the movie came out. And and it's at the very end of the movie. He's in that that blue British tailored suit with that big ass rifle with the with the silencer on it. God, you know, for me, I I always thought one of the most memorable things about Casino Royale was, you know, the, the scene where he gets poisoned and resuscitates himself like he has obviously the training but you know the the presence of mind to go do a series of act you know of actions that are gonna get the poison out of his body and then restart his heart and all this stuff i'm like oh my god you know and yeah you bought it yeah because they would have done that in the old days and you would have been like ah that's kind of funny and now you're like Holy crap, he's awesome. The one that got me new, because as we've talked about before, GoldenEye was probably, it's still probably my favorite one, because that's, that's my bond. You know, that's the first one I saw. That's the, as in a, you know, I paid my own money for it and everything. But And I can't remember which one it is, but I bought into the Daniel Craig version of it when he's sitting, and I don't remember which one it's from. You guys probably know. He's sitting in a cave with the girl who has the revenge fetish. And she's going to kill this dude. And she's oh, like, I've never actually killed anybody. That's Quantum of Solace. Yeah. That's the second one. Yeah. I've never actually killed anybody before. I don't really know how it's going to go. And Bond casually sits there and tells you how it, it feels to kill to somebody. Him. Okay. Here's what you do. You're going to do this. You're going to feel like this. And it's going to suck. But that's what you want to do. This is how it goes. And I was like. We saw him go through that at the beginning of Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, that's. That's Bond. That is an, a very experienced killer, which and that's, is what he that's, is. That's and we buy that because you we buy saw it. Because you see it, it you know? cost him, and you know it cost him. You know it cost him, and you know he's explaining exactly what's going to happen too. to you. He's yeah. like, if you do this, you will never be the same. Yeah, you're not. This is not just something you'll do and walk away from it. You're going to pay as big a price. You know. Yeah. Now, if it's worth it to you, I understand. This is what's going to happen to you. That I believe more uh, about Bond and why he does the things he do does. I mean, because with the old Roger Moore and, and uh, Sean Connery version, they never wrote, you never saw them pay a price. for Killing anything. people is not something that uh, upsets him. You never saw them pay a price for anything yeah. with Daniel Craig. He's a person. We see him pay the price and that price forges him into what he is yeah. and it makes it believable. Does he do the same stuff? Absolutely. Do you believe it a little bit more? Yeah, I think you do. It's interesting, like, what that may say about movie audiences from, like, the 60s and 70s to now. You know, is it true, and it may not be, but is it true that movie audiences wanted their heroes to be kind of impenetrable back then? Like, we didn't want to see their flaws. It was much more like an Errol Flynn movie than than it was something today. Like, Errol Flynn, you know, he goes and kills a bunch of dudes and and everything, and he does it with a haughty grin and a chuckle and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of how Bond did it, except there was more chicks and bikinis and And, stuff. And did we see ourselves that way? Like, did we want to look at ourselves, like, as a country that way? The fanciful hero or something. Yeah, yeah, the kind of cool and unflapped, you know. And now I think people are a lot more... Sophisticated. Well, they feel a lot more yeah. complex about these things, and and they see that if the superhero doesn't have a weakness, then like nobody believes it. Yeah. He's not really. Well, a, you're not a superhero. Yeah. Then. You're just. You're just a god. Yeah. And no one's going to feel any sympathy for you because. Well, and I think it's it's a little bit more education that that these actions that you take are going to have repercussions. You may not feel them now. You may not even feel them later, but they will happen. 
And check that out. I just had the the ultimate the best way to say something we've said a number of times. Why did Kenneth Branagh direct Thor? Well, if you have a god and you want people to feel sympathy for them, well, a Shakespearean director would be your first person. A Shakespearean actor director, you know, interpreter, yeah. that would be your go-to for that, right? Yeah, because yeah, because <laughs> Shakespeare <laughs> Shakespeare's tragedies are famous for that that you exact know. thing. It's like, that's what they do. Sorry. Yeah, no, that heroic flaw. Just struck me. Yeah, it doesn't matter how powerful or how great things are for you. You can still have a miserable crap existence, you know. Especially and, if anybody wants to watch the story. Yeah. yeah. And get anything out of it. Well, our friends in the UK are going to get Skyfall on October 26th. We're going to have to wait till November 9th. But November 9th. I can, I can handle that. Yeah. yeah. We'll we have will to go be see there. that. <laughs> That'll be fun. Me because I, you know, I want to see what happens with Bond Audra because Daniel Craig is in it. Oh my God! Yes. Well, and and I like the Bond movies. I mean, but oh, this is what else is cool is that we're about to enter the season of really good movies again. The movies that have been out all summer, you know, there have been a couple of good ones, but overall, the the movie you know scene has been kind of weak, and. As they start rolling out for the end of the year, Christmas time, they're going to be yeah, yeah the Christmas ones, the ones that are are I getting called Avengers out. Week. No, I said there were a couple of really good ones, oh, okay. but there that, standouts, but that but generally yeah. the the movie scene was it weak. was not no was Avengers couple, was incredible. Was it a couple of summers ago though that we just got bam 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 bam. Oh yeah, yeah. time after time after time yeah. after time. You know, for a three solid three month span over the summer, there was something to go see every freaking week. That there came was out. there were several times this summer where I like was looking at Rotten Tomatoes to see everything that was playing. And there was like one out of 30 movies that had a positive review. You know, all the rest of them were like, we actually had that times, was Avengers. <laughs> yeah, we actually had times this summer where we would roll up and we had, we had this window where we could go see a movie. We'd roll up to the theater just on a, on a whim and look at the entire board and go, I don't want to see any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, Avengers was probably the best movie of the year. I mean, that I saw, I haven't seen every yeah. movie, but, um, but I'm stoked because this is the time of year that we're coming into that all the best stuff starts coming out. Well, I have one more piece. Yeah. Uh, and that is, have you guys seen the Halo four web series? Hardly I, at all. I didn't even I, know I saw this. You, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know about this until you mentioned it. Today. Yeah. It, uh, the first week they've done a couple lead ups to it. The first week actually happened this week and it's, um, uh, crap. And I got to go look now. Um, it's like forward unto dawn. Yeah, these are awesome. Like just before the podcast, Sean uh, showed me a clip of one of these like short web episodes or webisodes, I guess. Yeah, and, and they look good. I mean, they're really well produced. How and, how good this stuff looks, and uh, yeah, it's uh, Halo Four Forward Unto Dawn. Uh, the first part, part one, just went live at uh, on Friday. They were going to release them every Friday until Halo Four opens, and it's um, it's based on, or at least the. Uh, Right now, what we see is is Colonel Lasky, who has appeared in many of the Halo stuff. Uh, he's the ball commander of the flight group um, of the US, uh, USNC. And it's how you start off in the, uh, uh, how do you pronounce this, uh, the Corbolo Academy of Military Science. It's the, it's the training academy for USNC cadets uh, that really gives them their edge. And it's how Lasky met Master Chief. It is that meeting and what happened that made them who they are. And you see this this whole thing 
start to unfold and, and you meet some of the people, you see some of the tech, you, you see some of the attitudes. I mean, uh, uh, ODST is in there a little bit. Um, these things are happening and you get to see them before any of the alien. This is before any alien landings, you know. Uh, we regret that you are alien bastards. We regret that we were <laughs> before any of that, you know, Sergeant Johnson is not here yet. All right. I mean, it's, it's none of that stuff is, is happening yet. And, but you start to see a little bit of, of the, the military tech and how the setup and the political environment of everything. And this is before Halo four launches. Now I can't, I don't know what Halo four's thing is. I, I haven't been looking. I haven't, I didn't even know Halo four was coming out soon until I saw this series. Coming I knew out. it was coming out soon, but I hadn't been, um, watching course yeah it, it looks like uh november 6th yeah is, there, is the re- release yeah. date for halo 4 and apparently every friday you are going to get another part of this forward onto dawn and uh it is it is a live action halo web series that they have spent some money on <laughs> i'm not kidding i mean the the costume looks great the effects looks great they're they're working in all these characters and and setting up uh, this this scenario it looks fantastic. I I highly recommend if you've ever been into the Halo series at all, checking it out. You can check it out. You can find them on YouTube. Just type in Halo Four and you will get this series. But uh, it's it's incredible. I watched just a little piece of it, and I gotta say, just thank you, thank you, thank you to Canon for uh, adding that little kind of side feature in the. Which one was the first one? It was the five D, mm-hmm. right? Was it the five? It was it's the Mark II was the first yeah. one. That, yeah, the five D Mark II that got people in into using SLRs, DSLRs for video because holy crap, folks. I mean, the the amount of, like, good-looking cinematography in low-budget stuff these days, it's a yeah. direct result. Without that, if we were still in the old technology, not happening. It looks fantastic. It does. They're, they're overlaying graphics that are amazing over it. Um, the they It looks like they've really took their time and, and built this correctly. Uh I can't wait. If this is what they're doing in the in the web series leading up to Halo 4, I'm very excited to see what they actually did with Halo 4. Uh, I know it's not a, a quote-unquote bungee thing anymore. Well, yeah, but it's so hard to tell anymore. Because... But anymore, I mean, the spirit of it can survive yeah. without it. Now, I, I don't know. There are many different theories on how Halo 4 or Halo the series will be without bungee. But, man, well, if this is any indication. Halo 4 is supposed to be the return of Master Chief. So, And I guess even if you're playing uh, co-op, everybody plays as Master Chief. Whereas before you had, you know, everyone was a different person. Um, but I, I didn't hear anything about the physics. That's what I wanted to know is are the physics of the game going to be different from, like, uh, Reach or anything like that. But... Um, they're, they're also saying that the game is going to focus a little bit less on uh, the first-person shooter and, and, and slightly more toward, like, discovering the storyline and, and mystery and exploring and stuff like that. From everything I've read, and, and which has been very little, to be honest, it's going to be a little bit more like a cross between Halo and Mass Effect, you know, where you're going through, and it's not exactly a shooter, but it ain't exactly a... An RPG. That would be awesome. Well, it's cool. I mean, they're they're kind of bringing out the adventure qualities a little bit more. Well, and they did that a little bit with ODST. 
True. Which I think is probably the most elegant Halo statement that so I've ever played. Getting the little audio things was every bit as cool. As I don't know, man. Those. It was just fun. <laughs> I had more fun, and I'm not saying Halo Reach is the best Halo game. All right, as Agreed. far as it is, just the best. I thought the best story for me was ODST, and I really liked that vibe. I agree. It was, both was of those. very different. Yeah. It's very different vibe. It was a very different playthrough. It was. It was just elegant is the only way I can and I know that sounds weird from a first person shooter but ODST was just elegant. Yeah. I'm I really agree. hoping they bring more of that and kind of the RPG side and and everything into Halo. I think that would be an, an amazing experience, but I don't I know. I guess if that's there's going to be a, a Cortana storyline that's pretty important in Halo 4 too. Ooh. Well, and Cortana is very important. She helps save the galaxy, so mm. I'm not I'm not opposed to anything that they want to do with Cortana cuz she is a part of Master Chief. Well, that was that was one of the coolest parts of Halo 3. Yeah. Where was, you find out just how important she is to yeah. him and just how much she means to him and he means to her. Um and the the best the best audio or the best um, he is little willing bit to of call through crawl through bowels for her. Yeah. And <laughs> it is really, that is his other half, you know, that is part of what makes him. And she, th- yeah. the best thing that I've ever heard in any of the halo stuff is, is her talking to him, you know, telling her why she picked him. You know, they were stronger, they were faster, they were better shooting. But there was somebody, if you really wanted to succeed, you needed somebody with something a little bit more. You had it. Do you know what it was? Luck. You know, and you see him haloing, you know, right down at, the beginning at, of Halo 3, <laughs> right at the beginning. And and she's like, I saw that, you know, like I could have, she was the best of the AI. And she's like, I could have had anybody. You know, I could have been hooked into anybody. Do you know why I chose you? Cortana, you hope. Know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, she's like, she recognized that thing in him, just that little bit of extra spark. And she's like, I want that one. You know, and. Your spark wasn't guilty. <laughs> like all the others. But uh, that I falling just, out of orbit thing has yeah. got to be one of the coolest things. Ever. Yeah. That's just. You know, yeah. but I mean, it's that was the coolest one to me. And but I mean, still, even even now, the I get goosebumps when I see the helmet in the sand of Reach. Oh, yeah. <sighs> me too. Yeah. And and you realize I was and, there, man. Yeah, and you're like that was me. <laughs> and you realize you've seen the moment of death, and you realize why he said that said that. And then you hear the narration afterwards, and she's like, you know, Reach is your planet. You know, it's because of you that we exist and because of your your efforts that we were able to escape and carry the fight to them. This is your legacy. You know, all of us are your legacy and it started with you. I was like. I very few times have I had a game I, I can I can count on one hand. Uh, Final Fantasy seven when Ariel say. died. You're, you're just like, oh, and I still won't play a healer class to this day because of that, because I'm scared of losing them, like in the Final Fantasy way. Uh, Halo Reach and ODST, I, I link them together. You know, the, the narration or, you know, and, and Halo 3, the Halo series, I link those together. And then right under that is Mass Effect, you know, as far as emotional attachment and, uh, and Mass Effect main five. But anyway, Halo 4, it's coming out. Check out the web series. It's cool. Some more robots, and uh, this one was the one that I think uh, I know, Sean, you were waiting for, which is uh, robots that 
you want to be your friend or want to be your friend. Damn right. There are a lot of them. Yeah, that, that goes back doesn't? to kiddom, you know? Yeah, who the hell doesn't want a robot for totally. a friend? You know, if you look at, at the examples we have of robots, and now we have a lot of examples of robots wanting to kill humanity and, <laughs> and, and do that sort of thing. But if you look at the robots that want to be your friend, it is the most iconic example of loyalty and friendship and what it is to be a human in a good way that you can get in fiction. Uh, look at, I mean, look at some of the examples we've got and, and you know, my favorite, I mean, everybody already knows my favorite is Bumblebee who is an alien robot from across the stars who befriends this kid. And Bumblebee is exceptionally loyal and willing to do many things to make things work out right. Not good for you, bad for you, but make Bumblebee, regardless of consequence or option, will take the best choice and make sure it works out for everybody. That's that's cool, you know. And he's this big, giant, powerful robot and everything that turns into the icon of adolescent status you know i mean he's what does he turn into a big yellow camaro or you know <laughs> i mean yeah that's gonna work of, for of you male adolescent GM status you. yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that message oh i don't know it's there's a bunch of of teenage girls right now who are driving around yellow and black camaros with the autobot symbol on it uh in fact i have noticed a, a surprising number of people with with uh, autobot and decepticon signal uh, symbols yeah. on their cars yeah they're starting to become a lot more visible. which i love that yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate Don't you have that. one in the back of your truck i do <laughs> yeah. it's not very big but i do yeah. Uh, th- thank you. I got to say thank you to Michael Bay for that. I mean, you know, we like to crap on Michael Bay. I don't, but I mean, a lot of people like to crap on Michael Bay, but you know what? I got to tell you, there are a lot of people that are fans, Transformers fans now that probably would not have been. Yeah. Had it not been for him. Yeah. I mean, and this is, it's one of those kind of, oh, this is kind of, this sucks and everything, but Bumblebee is so freaking cool. He really, even back in the, the, Volkswagen Beetle days. I still have a thing for Volkswagen Beetles to this day. And you can ask Chuck every time you pass one. I'm like, ooh, I want one of those, you know? The old 60s kind of classic style because that's Bumblebee. Yeah, I love that in the first movie. Oh, yeah. You when see him like, right next to one. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, and, and the dad wants to buy it. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just that whole experience there for me is what robots should be. You know, it's it's like they're your homie. They're not that much different than you. They have the same level of excitement and everything, but they have this this different level that they can engage that's just, it's sort of like the whole, like, having a loyal dog thing. You know, the dog has this level that it engages that is, like, the ultimate in loyalty and morality at the same time. You know, when you... I, I'm glad that you brought up the dog, because I was just thinking, and I was getting ready to say, it, it sounds like what makes these robots the best friends is everything that makes them most like dogs. And that can't have escaped people who are writing these stories. No. No. I, I would imagine not. I mean, if you look at... Uh, I mean, look at some of the, the robots in the past. I mean, ever since the, I guess, 50s, 60s, where you get Robbie the robot. Robbie is very much a terrier in a giant clumsy robot body uh 
danger, danger, danger. He's following. He's waving his arms around and stuff like. I mean, that's a terrier. I mean, that's what he is, and he tries to protect and make what, things work out right in the well. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you have the literal robot dog, like K nine, who I love. <laughs> it's awesome. Like in the uh, what was it the the tenth Doctor, right? The tenth Doctor, uh, who we actually get some K nine. Yeah, he uh, had the appearance. Uh, yeah. Remember, he's like, good dog. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun episode. Yeah, I, you, it's not really lost on you uh, that, that this is kind of the thing. But then you get to the epitome of robot that is your friend. And this is, for all intents and purposes, Chuck's default selection. Can you even name who it is? Go ahead. R2-D2. Yeah. It's close between R2-D2 and Wally. They're very similar, actually. Yeah, they are. I think that that um, they kind of focus. I think the, the stories that they exist in focus on different parts of them. But when you look at it, both of them, what makes them so cool is not all the badass things they can do or anything. What makes them awesome is that everybody that they interact with is better for having been, interacted with them. Yeah, and that's yeah. about the cleanest expression I've ever heard of Wally. Everybody who knew him, and you came up with this after you came back from the movie, was everyone who knew him were better for having known Wally. Everyone he touched, everyone he met was better for having known him. It's interesting the the friend robots are so pure and kind of innocent and maybe even a little naive. Like they're sort of like dogs, but they're also like children in some ways. But I think they're, they're just—it's almost like they're uncorruptible, incorruptible. You know. I think that's true of everybody, but R two D two. R two D two is not pure. He's just cool. He's seen all the badness. He's seen the the galaxy rotate around. He's seen true evil. He's seen everything, and he's just not cool with it. R two D two to be a little bit more savvy. R two D two will do sneaky and underhanded things. Everybody just underestimates him. Yeah, everybody just doesn't pay attention to him because he's an astromech droid. He has done things that no other droid in his universe have done, are capable of, but are done because he just has that much personality. And from what we can tell, he's always had it. From the minute you meet him on the Naboo cruiser, when everybody else is getting picked off and all that kind of stuff. Um that, well, that's what it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. No, it just sounds cool. Yeah. Like, when you say it, just... <laughs> uh, From the minute... The Naboo you, Cruiser. Uh, you, you, he's different. He's just different. And it may just be a trick of the programming or, or something that just got a little bit off, but he's always been that cool. And he will come up with ideas. He will figure out how to do things. He will, he will make stuff work out. And it may not be in the way you initially expected. But he can be underhanded, he can be sneaky, he can be courageous. He's never been anything less than courageous. But you're right, people underestimate him. Well, you get the sense, too, that R2-D2 can be like kind of sarcastic. And, oh, yeah. And funny, and he can have fun, and he can... He can be of, scared. Like, yeah, and he can sort of plan things out for himself and, and have his own agency in life and everything. But it, it just seems like he's kind of an exception. Like, most of the friendly robots are... Most of them, yeah. Are are sort of, I, I think that's what makes us like them, is they're just completely pure, you know? Even Data, in a way, has that kind of childlike purity, you know, where we think of him as being just, he's not corrupt, you know? He's not greedy, or he doesn't get jealous. 
You know, I was just thinking that we tend to tie like importance to aggression a lot of times. Like, like the person that is big at making changes is the one that's aggressive about it. But sometimes some of the most powerful changes come not in what people do, but how they think, you know, because those can link together. And you think about R2-D2 and the way that R2-D2 rode through this whole long, you know, six movie chain, Saga, yeah. you know, and, and had this big effect on everyone and everything around him without, without actually being aggressive. And, instead just being at the in the right place and 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 adjusting the behavior and thought processes of everyone around and Wally of course is the perfect example of that you know where Wally didn't make anybody do anything or threaten anyone or or anything in the entire movie you know mm-hmm. all Wally did was change people's hearts and minds and they fixed it through acts of kindness and generosity yeah. And, and it was, it was a, a transforming effect on everyone he met. I think you can't underestimate the power of that, you know? And, and that's that's, pretty awesome. That's why we underestimate R2-D2. You know, everybody assumes that R2-D2, well, you know, he doesn't have a lightsaber and he's not kicking ass, so he's not important. Not true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, and then you meet, or, you know, and then you see R2-D2's foil, which is C-3PO, and 3PO gets a lot of crap. He really does. And I never looked at C-3PO the, the right way, I don't think, until Chuck and I were playing Lego Star Wars one time. <laughs> and uh I remember this. 3PO had been cut to pieces. He was hopping around on one leg, and he was trying to do and complete his thing and everything, hopping around that's, on one that's leg. That's so sad. I remember that in the game. And um, I'm just like, damn it. 3PO always tries, and he always gets the raw end of the stick. You know? I mean, R2 is smart enough to get out the way and he's fast enough to, to move and he thinks a couple steps ahead of C-3PO. C-3PO is so neurotic and fussy that he would be wringing his hands about some minor thing when the apocalypse came, you know? Right, and, and R2 would be like, look, I got a plan. We got a ship. It's cool. Let's just get in the ship right now. Oh, I don't know. I don't like space travel. Look, get in the ship right now. I got a plan. It's going to be fine. You know, R2 has, has is a lot more, uh, he's a couple steps ahead. But 3PO is brave. And he does want to help. But like you said, he is neurotic. He was built to be a, a best friend to a small boy. And he, he can't be that anymore. And he's been left alone and traded and talked down to and beat to hell and cut up and thrown in jail and ignored and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. You'd be a little messed up too. You'd be a little messed up, you know. Dude. And he has and it's the hard ability. for him to be ignored because he's meant to be a communicator. He, right? His job is to be a friend and communicate to people and he people treat him like he's a blender and it's got to be like a, a servant or something yeah well yeah. it was basically like a blender your job is to interact with this and just shut up i don't want to talk to you i just which is what he was built for and he was built by somebody who was terribly talented and gave him all these cognitive abilities which he can't use in everyday life because everybody ignores him it's like being invisible you know and he's a neurotic about it, but he is very brave. He wanders. He does go, even though he complains about it, he does do space travel. <laughs> he do, He is in the middle of fights and he's completely useless and he knows it. And but he's there. You but know. he's there doing what he can with R2 who drags him by the heels many times, literally sometimes kicking and screaming and 
performs the service because if you look at the services that the 3PO performs, they are vital. They are important. He does need to be there, and he's very good at them. It's just the rest of that time where he's been hauled around and ignored or whatever, and, and everybody just discounts him and discredits him in any number of ways different than R2, that you're just like, man, 3PO's an all right dude. He's just a little messed up. <laughs> you got to take cool. that. That's a really good perspective. You got to you gotta take it with a grain of salt with 3PO, just like you'd be that, uh, I, I relate to this because I'm like this. I'm a pain in the ass. All right, I am. Wouldn't know anything about I that. I have some redeeming qualities, but <laughs> you got to get through the pain in the ass to deal with them. And 3PO's a lot like that. He's fussy, right? He He's very fussy, but he's a pretty de- de- solid dude. And he will never abandon you, especially with R2 there, keeping him on the straight and Keeping now. him from abandoning you. Yeah. Because <laughs> he won't abandon R2. R2's his best friend and his only companion. So uh, who knows that he's not just a, protocol droid i mean not to be argumentative but in the the opening scenes of a new hope we see them go their separate ways in the desert do you think he he knew that they'd end up back together or no i think that's just him like like throwing a fit yeah which he does (laughs) he doesn't take it as a serious abandonment it's more of a yeah like our cats max and felix yeah it's very much like that they do their thing but they're going to be back. Deep together. down, yeah, they're they're linked. I mean, when he meets him in the sand crawler later on. Oh, Max is so C-3PO. You know, so, and when he meets him again in the sand crawler, he's like, oh, thank God, you're here. What are we going to do, R2? I'm so scared, you know, and R2's like, yeah, we're going to chill. It's going to be fine, you know. So, I'm on a mission. I got a plan. It's fine, you know. It's, it works out okay, you know, and I mean, yeah, he does abandon, but when it's important, when it comes down to it, when you ask 3PO to do something, he will do something and it will be the thing you ask for and he will come through for you. So, so here's the tough question, right? You know, we, we, because these robots obviously don't exist right now that can, that give us any kind of grounding and how, in terms of character of them, right? I mean, when it comes, I mean, they can do complex tasks now, which is a long way from the seventies, right? But even even now, I mean, no no personality here. So obviously, we're writing those, and to a large extent, I mean, still the robot plays doll for us to dress up with our own parts of ourselves that we want to look at or or consider. So how does that work in this context with these robots that were were uh, that are friendly or that we want to be friends with? What are we putting, what are we dressing the doll up with from ourselves that we like so much? I think one of them is that incorruptible purity, you know, I think it's the reason and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be cynical because I think it's a good reason, but you know, people around the world may have their conflicts with one another, you know, adults may have conflicts over all kinds of things, but when it comes down to it, almost all people seem to have soft spots for kids you know, babies, animals, creatures that are not corrupted. You know, people or, or, or animals or whatever that we perceive as being really pure and honest and just, they just are. I think that's a good point. For me, it would be the loyalty. I mean, I got you. I mean, when somebody looks at you and says, I got you, and really means it. If something bad happens, they got whatever it is going to happen to us, not just you. 
that goes a long way with me, whether it comes from a, a, a dog or a person or anything. Robot. You know, a robot. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It means the same thing. And when a robot means it, it's very different. But, you know, when R2 looks at you and says, look, I'll take care of it, you feel a little better because R2 is going to take care of it. You know, when Bumblebee's like, look, no, none of these things, you know, these aliens aren't going to hurt you. I will protect you. You believe him. You feel better. You know, life has taken on a different, you know, he, you just watched him ninja a Decepticon to death, <laughs> you know, in this middle of this <laughs> abandoned and, you know, uh, or uh, the middle of this industrial complex and everything turns into a, a Camaro pops open the doors like, come on, man, we it's going to be okay. I believe him. You know, it's all right. Things getting a little better right now. You know, you know, it's so interesting. As often as we see robots in movies and books and things where we are afraid of them, or we think that they're going to destroy us, or we think that they're going to transcend us and then take over. Um, I think that just as much there's also a desire for us to have companions. I think sometimes there's like a, a loneliness. We think about little kids want friends. And, and, you know, people who live alone or who feel lonely would like, I think, the idea of someone to be there to help take care of them and someone to talk to. And also, I think that we there there's another part where we want them to be better than us in some ways, in the ways that we want our kids to do better than we did. Like we see ourselves as kind of screwed up. And, and then you see in a little kid, not just like you know, kind of that purity and that honesty, but you also see hope and potential and all this, like what they can be. And I think in a robot, it's that way too. Cause I remember like, this is kind of a dumb analogy, but when I was in fourth grade, we had this computer in the classroom that we were allowed to use, um, during like certain recess time, indoor recess, you know, which you have to have when you live in really cold, crappy weather. <laughs> and, uh, indoor recess must, must suck. It's not too bad. I mean, when you have computers and, uh, but this was like our one classroom computer, you know? And I remember when I first discovered that you could teach it things, there was some kind of software running on it where you could teach it new words and it would, you know, you would say, I'm just like poo. Well, actually that's how it got started. (laughs) We we started teaching it all these swear words and then we got in trouble, but, (laughs) um, but you put a word in quotations and, and then you say, you know, blah, 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 quote, means this and then it would say oh so this word means this is that correct and you say yes and then it would actually store it now i doubt it would actually use it it probably just added it to its dictionary but i was like eight or nine and i remember being so excited by the idea of being able to teach it things and i remember when you know my brother was born when just before i turned five and i remember again for me the most exciting thing was that there was going to be this baby that I could teach stuff to, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if everyone's like that, but I suspect that probably that's in everyone a little bit. This excitement about like, ooh, you know, there's this cool person or this cool being, if it's a robot, right? Or a dog even, that I can teach things to and and get to see how they take pleasure in learning and all that stuff. And I think there's part of that to answer your question, Chuck. You know, what are are we projecting? I think part of it is... We're projecting like, ooh, there's all this cool stuff in the world, and I want you to know about it. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like almost the polar opposite of the robots that want to destroy humanity. We fill them with all the things that, you know, we dress them up with all the things from ourselves that we're scared of. Mm-hmm. You know, our parts of our nature that are like, oh crap, you know, if this gets out, 
we got a problem, you know, and we take it and we put it in them and we look at it. And in this case, it's like the reverse. It's like we're taking all the things that we kind of like about ourselves and we're putting that in the robot and looking at it, you know? Yeah, because I I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, people in the world really do do good things, sometimes even for strangers, you know, and sometimes it just feels like only bad things happen because yeah. that's all that's in the news. But right. but when it comes down to really good things do happen out of the blue, you know, and people do nice things, altruistic things, and there's no explanation why. And maybe that's another way that we can put that on robots is, you know, this is what maybe this is what we'd like to be. Yeah, I think I, I, either that or it's something that we are, but maybe not in the quantities that we would like. You know, it, we don't express that part of ourselves as often or as effectively. And th- right, because it gets overrun by other stupid things like yeah. jealousy and neurosis and all that crap that leads to the robots that didn't destroy like, the well, world. You know? Well, the robot doesn't have you know emotions as we define them, so it can't be overrun by jealousy and, and greed oh, and totally fear and do. stuff. So instead, you know, we give them emotions all the time, you know, or we project. Emotions. Oh yeah. Or come on. Okay. How about Wally? Do you think Wally had any, I mean, come on, we know he did, you know, that's why he was like, you know, he was standing there with the umbrella, right? Come on. <laughs> that's <on>. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Put the, Smoked one down. Get another one. <laughs> you remember later when her little video kicks yeah, and she's in like, and she Aww. sees it, and she sees she him sees doing the security that. tape. Yeah, I'll tell you, we like to relive those moments in our own humanity that that we are reminded that we can be better than we are, and we use robots a lot for that. Case in point, uh, my puppy uh, Bolo, who is puppy he says months. yeah he's still a puppy technically technically but. yeah he is a sweet dog <laughs> yeah, oh is. my god he's just like a big blubbery tongue. you can see like, in his <laughs> eyes he's happy oh, yeah <laughs> you can see, yeah exactly chuck's right looking into his eyes you could see he's just got a good heart yeah, he's a good little dude and uh, he now weighs 55 pounds and squeak is he's is still little you're right adorable yeah <laughs> he's, he's gonna still get small he's gonna get bigger but he's a solid dude Yes, and, he uh, is. Him and Squeak were teetering around, I guess, about a month or two ago. And at the time, Bolo was still figuring out things. Like two months ago, he weighed 12 pounds. <laughs> he wasn't very big at the time. He probably weighed 30 pounds at the time. So Squeak and him weighed about the same weight at this time. It was a couple months back. And they were wandering around the backyard. And, of course, I'm out there working. And there's a garter snake. <laughs> Scared the crap out of Bolo. He had no idea what was going on and everything. And I watched my two-year-old grab a little toy shovel with a little metal end of it, push him behind her or and guard him from the snake. And apparently it imprinted on Bolo because I guess uh, about a month or two later, Squeak is deathly afraid of grasshoppers. They're big. They fly, they make noise, and one hit her in the face and would not let go because it was trying to perch on her hair to jump off and just freaked her out. Well, Bolo is not afraid of grasshoppers. So they walk around the yard and, you know, one just runs up. Part of his diet, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He eats the crap out of them. So one of them, like, jumped on her and she started freaking out. Bolo jumped in front of her, smacked it down, grabbed it, chomped it, threw it on the ground, made her see that it was okay. And then walked in front of her the whole rest of the day outside, making sure nothing bad happened to her. That's so sweet. Well, now it is just a thing for them that the pair of them walk side by side, 
keeping each other safe. <laughs> That's Aww. awesome. And That's she a walks relationship with right her there. hand on his back and a shovel in the other hand. And he just does the security stare out to make sure nothing's going to touch her. And the two of them walk around like that all day. Wait, did she do anything to the snake or did she just stand in yeah, front of it? Yeah, she stomped her foot and smacked at it and everything to make it go away. Oh. And Bolo has never forgotten. She's a brave girl. She has no fear of men or beasts except grasshoppers and apparently ants. She didn't like either one of those. Oh, I could but, see that. Yeah. Because she got an ant bite from a couple ants out in a field one time and she is not a fan. Mm. Isn't isn't Shannon that way too? Like Shannon's like one of those people who just fears like basically nothing. But she's got like it's hornets. Flying, stinging yeah, wasps. 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 Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, She will that. use me as a human shield. <laughs> Um, but she could uh, the most terrifying anything else see I'd rather be like that because I'm the kind of person that like you know usually bugs don't bother me but like everything else does (laughs) (laughs) like everything in the whole world I'm terrified of you know like uh, yeah so I mean scorpions which should scare squeak not Nothing. She'll pick him up by the tail. Look, Danny oh Scorpion. My God. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Let's go Scorpion's put him outside. Like, what the hell? Come what the on. hell, man? You know, is he, you know of course, you right. pick him up by the head of the tail. The scorpion is completely defenseless. I mean, they can't do anything because they can't pick up their body enough to get you with the claws, and they can't sting you if you've got them by the side of the- You do some sit-ups, eh, Scorpion? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, look, Danny, you know, because they always- Walk with it, hook up, you yeah. know, so Squeak just looks at it like a handle. Oh, look, you know, and she'll pick it up. Oh, my God. And I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> let's go put him out in the garden. You know, you put him out on the patio and I stomp it to death while she's not looking, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God, that's, you got to go, you know. Well, I think we get one more. <laughs> look, a brown recluse. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's not cool. No, we spray for those. Ugh. I think we've got one more robot piece coming here, we right? We do. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, robot hybrids or biological hybrids. There are a couple different ways to define it, but uh, oh, yeah. basically r- robots who have some kind of um, human component or maybe humans who have become so bionic that they're starting to... Yeah, maybe even a know, tra- like Robocop transfer kind of in and out and that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. the idea is... Um, you know, what do they teach us about humanity and, and how do we kind of reflect on them differently and, and they on us and, you know, maybe a Cylon type of thing. Nice. We haven't talked about Cylons at all. No, never. Not in a while anyway. You promised, you promised me. <laughs> I lied. Yeah, yeah. Suck it up. Yeah. Guess what? So did I. <laughs> <laughs> but when I said I would kill you last... That was was bad as commander. We were making fun last night. We were looking at uh, Amazon uh, Prime and and Amazon videos that you could rent. Oh, by the way, on Amazon Prime, they're streaming all of Star Trek Deep Space Nine now. Yeah, it's cool. We were we were watching. We were looking though. I was just like, I want to see an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that's not Total Recall, which was awesome. Well, because that's the last one yeah, I yeah, watched, yeah. and I just don't want to see. Plus, it. Plus, yeah, I don't really want to see it again either. So we were like whipping through, looking for him, and she's like, "Wait a minute!" I let him go. Wait a minute. I, you know, you can have, what was it? I can't yeah, remember. Like, uh, you can have Terminator, but you got to pay 10 bucks for, or you got to pay three bucks for Commando. Yeah. You had to pay $3 to rent Commando. Get for the to the but, but Terminator and Terminator 2 were free, were free streaming. And I'm like, like, really? What's wrong with that? That's just, that's just wrong. Wow. You're like, yeah, I could see that. 
That is kind of No, it didn't matter. I mean, because we own the Terminator movies. Yeah, but. It was funny, though, nonetheless. They picked Commando. No, we, we ended up watching something We were debating else, right? watching Last Action Hero. I, I have a feeling that some of it will not stand up. Yeah. And it would be kind not of tempting good. to see it again. Yeah, not you as, have watched it recently. I have. It, I mean, recently, last it, couple of years. Uh, I don't know. Close enough. So six last months. couple of years would count. Six months ago, something like that. I it think. was on TNT or something. It's... It stands up reasonably well, but it is aged significantly. Not yeah. as not as good as we remember. Yeah, That's I don't know. Good... I mean, it might be, uh, but uh, I mean, it's still okay. It's still okay. My name is whatever, and I just killed a man. Shut up, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's pretty funny. Uh, I love queens. <laughs> Eraser, not as good. Yeah, that was when. It, that's with uh, that Vanessa. Bad. Yeah. Crap, the one who was Miss America. Vanessa and, Williams? Yeah, yeah, Vanessa Williams, yeah. Dax's girlfriend from Riza. Right, right, right. Oh, oh I'd forgotten yeah. about that. Nice. Yeah. Well, we ended up not watching any of them. We ended up watching Shrek. <laughs> Which so. is awesome. I like Shrek. Well, we'd never seen it. Really? Yeah. Just never got around I to it. I had started watching it like eight times, and I'm like, I'm going to finish this movie. It is freaking fantastic. Yeah, it's I, awesome. I love this Shrek. I, I heard the later ones are even better, right? That they just keep getting... They no. look better? No. They are as good but different. Okay. okay. I will say that. And they're, if you're expecting that same level of awesome, probably not. It's just a different awesome. Uh, but they go through different types of stories and all that kind of stuff. Shrek never is, is the same wherever he is. But Donkey gets better every freaking movie. I love Donkey. I think we're due for an Eddie Murphy comeback. Uh, a real one. They need to get him the right vehicle. Well, and he said that he's horrible at picking his own movies. He's like, I should never do that. <laughs> yes. He's like, look, my agent came by and he's like, look, you're going to go do this movie. You're a donkey donkey. Shut up and do it. It's great. He's like, I am not doing that. <laughs> Trust me. I read it. You need to do this. And uh, it worked. Of course, it worked out. But Donkey and Puss in Boots, once you get to Puss in Boots. I was just going to say, yeah, I haven't seen Puss in Boots. Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots is a stroke of so much brilliance. I I did never put those two together. I really should have. In fact, Puss in Boots got his own movie now. He is, every time you see him, like Donkey stole Shrek, right? Puss in Boots steals the movies he's in. That's he awesome. He really does. Nice. It's great stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the original Shrek. You know, Shannon and I still sing, you know, a lady in the or an ogre in the bush grabs a lady by the tush. It's bad, you know. <laughs> uh, it's it's just so good. We were laughing, uh, you know, at how it was one of the early computer generated movies. And, uh, you know, you look and they're like, it took four years to render. And you're like, man, my Xbox could render that. And you're like, well, that's what four, that's yeah. what, that's what what 10 years or whatever At does least. for you yeah, in but technology it's on my to do you didn't slay the dragon it's on my to-do list okay can we move on you know oh <laughs> like you're a lady dragon of course you are he's reeking of feminine beauty <laughs> no the gingerbread man going eat me and then like spitting frosting into be, his that eye that might <laughs> be the funniest moment right there i mean they just they, they wrote the line big time for kids man holy crap it was really it was wrote it fantastically done and uh, when you watch some of the outtakes and all that kind of stuff and you realize that they, I mean, they were really. King Farquhar got an enormous castle. Shrek said that means he compensated for something, which means I think it means he has a really small, you know, yeah. when they like shut him up. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> every time they're about to say something like completely inappropriate. Lord Farquaad. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> it is awesome. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, Farquaad. <laughs> how close can you get? How close can you get without actually saying it? You know? Uh, yeah. It's just, <laughs> you don't really get it the first time through. Then oh, you're, yeah. I you're got like, it. Lord Farquaad? Because you, know, you see it written out and you're like, oh, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, there's so many quick, and it's so quick. It's so quick. Shrek when you like so the quick. you like the bit where the dragon punches the window out. Oh yeah, there's one window left, and it's like <laughs> I love that dragon. Oh my god! Yeah, the dragon's so cool. The dra- all the characters come back. They are all good. Um, you meet uh, just Prince Prince What's His Crap's mother, who is actually a fairy godmother in the next one or the one after. I can't remember. I mean, there's just all kinds of things. Uh, 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 trust me, you're going to like it. If you go and watch the rest of the series, you will like it. It's just different. Very cool. Awesome. Sweet. Anything to add wrapping up here, Audra? No, no, I'm just, I'm having fun and, and looking forward to more. Ro- I could talk about robots forever. So that is true. We could talk about robots. So looking forward to more robot talk next week. John? Uh, yeah, just excited that we got a lot of movies and a lot of games coming up in the next uh, couple months for the Christmassy type uh, Quanahanzika, you know, uh, time frame. <laughs> Quiznuts. Yeah, uh, Quiznuts. Uh, although it, you you were the only one in history to spell it without a C or an R or a T or or any of the letters. Any of the letters, right? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. There's some, some cool stuff coming up and we've got some, uh, some holiday, uh, type casts planned in the Woo. near future. So that should be kind of cool. Awesome. Well, we will see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, forum moderators Badger Spoon, Pike, and Frackentalos, GWC Book Club Maven, Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. We're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.